0: lamb presents the van flip podcast what is up welcome to this week's episode of the van flip podcast we are sitting down with dustin and john of the revitalized nebraska originally nebraska i'm not sure if you guys still live there but originally nebraska based metalcore metal band pariah welcome to the show boys
1: hello hey, thanks for having us lurk thanks uh-huh.
0: for having us man Are you boys still in Nebraska? Is that still where you guys are located, or all over the place?
2: All over the place. uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Start with Dustin. He was the first one to move away.
2: Uh Yeah, uh, I I live in Los Angeles now. I've been out here since uh, 2011, so what's that? Almost nearly 12 years now I've been out here.
1: Yeah. I moved out to West Hartford, Connecticut about a year and... Two months ago, so we have about thirty three hundred miles between us.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is about a far the part as you live can in... get.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it literally is. I, th- I think it pretty much is because we're on separate corners of the country, and then uh, two of the other members still live in in Omaha. So, I mean, the nice thing about Omaha, Nebraska, is it's right in the dead center of the country.
0: Yeah, travel. So, is I
1: mean, we both meet halfway.
0: Yeah, traveling is pretty easy. So, do you, you guys obviously do a lot of stuff? Well, we'll get into that. Well, I'm jumping the gun. So, <laughs> cool. All right, you're excited. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's, I've been waiting, you know. Um, no, so you guys, you guys took a, a bit of a break. You know, uh, a lot of the younger generation or people that are just getting into, like, heavier music, metalcore, metal, and stuff like that, uh, they may not know, you know, your history or whatever. So, you know, you guys were around in the early 2000s um, for, for quite some time. I mean, I, I, yeah. I think you toured extensively. You had a couple of releases. Um, you know, you were signed, obviously. And then around 2009, or around the time I'm assuming you moved out to L.A., you guys kind of called it not a day. It never was called a day. But, you <laughs> That's know, correct. it took a long time for you guys yeah, to, come up, no, to come back up or to come back, you know, out into the scene or whatever. So Yeah, and I'm
2: glad you recognize that because a lot of people are kind of like, oh, they broke up and they're back together. It's kind of, you know, we, we defined it as indefinite hiatus, yes you know purposely because we we always thought like you know we still get along well we write good music together we love each other we're great friends like you know if we want to ever just put out another pariah album in five to ten years or maybe play some shows it's not like this like makeup breakup type thing constantly so it's just kind of like yeah we'll just go at our own pace at this point you know and uh that could be something it could be nothing so you know, we've done a two shows since uh, the indefinite hiatus. Just like where we kind of put something together, and um, I fly into town and and we make it happen, and it's been fun. You know,
0: were those um, recently, or were those in, in the span of the last fourteen years?
2: The last one was twenty fifteen, okay. and then I think the one before that was twenty thirteen. Does that sound right, John? Uh, twenty fourteen, and
1: we were opening up for a friend's band. That um, the guitar player was my mentor and he asked us to do this show and of course it was like an immediate well that's not even possible because uh, logistically I didn't know how we would do it and I I just kind of threw a pitch and everybody was into it so we put together a show as the opener and we just announced it like a couple weeks before. We went on and, and we didn't make a big deal of it but it felt really good and it felt really organic so the next show we did was the the following year, just before Christmas. And again, we got together with another band who hadn't played in some time. We made a big event out of it, and it it felt so good to be together on stage again. Um, It still just wasn't time to make new music together yet. I felt like, uh, personally, I didn't have much to say or to express on my instrument. So it was really about waiting until the creative juices were flowing again. Mm-hmm. And something about the coronavirus, if there's any good that came of that, <laughs> it made me want to play heavy metal again. So here we are.
0: That's good. That's good.
2: It pent up energy. Yeah, a lot know? of people. Especially, yeah, especially, I, I will
1: say
0: so. you know, I'm not, this isn't a knock or anything, or is not a knock on anything, but I'm sure riding out the pandemic in the middle of the country where, you know, it's already not a lot, a lot of population, maybe not a lot of attractions and not a lot of things to do. It probably wasn't as ideal you know
2: yeah i i feel like you could even make you could possibly make an argument that it was maybe better to be in a smaller place like omaha because here in la like everything was locked down for so long that when i would go back to omaha it would feel like nothing had happened and here it was like still like no places are open you gotta you know like everyone's got to be wearing masks and getting tested constantly. And it was like Omaha it was still just like, now we've been back to normal for six months now. Oh, you yeah. John, <laughs> so, it's,
0: it, John, it sounds uh, like you were living. There's definitely some truth to that. Yeah.
2: yeah. People in the bigger cities were talking about
1: how everything was just uh, so absolutely shut down. And in Nebraska, there was this eagerness to have shows and restaurants to reopen, and they totally jumped the gun. And for better or worse, I think it was probably a lot easier to live. In Omaha during that time, yeah, because I mean we were already working on our transition to New England, and none of that was happening, and nowhere close to the time frame mm. that it was in Omaha. So, and, and, and in the end, maybe it was kind of a blessing in disguise. We did start rehearsing during kind of the, you know, we were probably reckless as we were. We were wearing masks, but we started getting together. I think, um, shit, man, I don't even know. It, it feels so long ago at this point. But uh, that's how we made the time to rehearse. So. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I mean, there's
1: that and the song just started popping out right away.
0: That's awesome. That that makes it a lot easier. Um I guess, yeah, I mean I don't wanna I definitely don't want to talk about COVID anymore because we've talked yeah. about <laughs> it endlessly. <Yeah. laughs> but yeah. you know, it it sounds like you you, John, had the same kind of uh, experience I did. I live in Florida, so you know, we uh Okay we didn't really have a pandemic or anything down here for the most part. <laughs> which I guess is fine. I've um, been told. Yeah, I mean it I don't know. It worked out, I guess. But, uh, you know, here we are today.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're here. And it was, it's in the rearview mirror. And I agree. I mean, it's, I don't want to harp on it. It it is kind of, it it meant the rebirth of the band, but it is in the rearview mirror. And I'm just so happy that we can move on and put out an album and look towards playing shows. and just move forward
0: yeah and you guys just dropped uh your like i said you just dropped your first single uh venerate right venerate
2: yeah yeah yes. you just dropped venerate. that um yes sir
0: this week this week last week or this month sometime um yeah so what's the biggest difference you guys feel because it's been a while since you've released anything You know since what 2009 or something like that um what's the biggest difference between this new single and possibly you know whatever else you have guys you guys have cooking compared to the previous materials
2: um i i think for me i think the i think the the our last album the barnacle cordius was uh far more experimental you know us kind of like you know maybe pushing against the grain of a lot of the metalcore stuff and trying to just do something a little weirder, I think. At least for me, that's kind of where I was pushing it. Um, And this is like, to me, I think our songwriting has uh, really matured and progressed a lot, like, for the better. Um, You know, we're not doing as many eight- and nine-minute metal songs (laughs) anymore. Uh, You know, this is like a a fucking, you know, four-minute just headbanger, fist-pumping, like, Great song, to, in my opinion. You know, um, so I I just think that the songwriting sounds far more cohesive and and put together. And uh, um, you know, I'm pretty proud of us for getting to that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Sam, I would I
1: would mirror that. I think that the songs that we're doing now, some would argue that they're more straightforward, and they're not wrong. But to me, it sounds more mature. The songs have definitely more direction um there is more repetition uh but for the sake of making it more of a traditional song i think we took
0: hey what's up it's lurk looks like you're enjoying the podcast if you are and you like what we're doing here on the van flip why don't you go ahead and pause this and give us a rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to if you want to find out any information on your favorite bands from the hardcore and metal scene visit lambgoat.com And to stay in the loop about everything that we post on lambgoat.com, make sure you like us on Facebook and you head over to Twitter and Instagram and follow us at lambgoat. Are you a full grown adult and you also have a TikTok account? Congrats. Follow us on TikTok as well. You can find us under the username lambgoat.com. That's spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M. Head over to our YouTube channel where we have all of these podcasts in video format plus a lot more content that you should check out. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and you hit that notification bell so you're always alerted when we upload new content. And last but not least, if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at LurkCity. And as always, if you need any of the links that pertain to the artists on the show today, Lamb Goat or myself, you can always find them in the description. Thanks for listening to this message. Now let's get back to the show.
1: Uh, more influence from the original era of American thrash metal that was certainly my influence this time around it wasn't about the number of changes and You know making awkward time signatures for the sake of being you know creative with it and and I'm not, you know Bad-mouthing anything we did in the past, but I definitely had a very very different approach this time I really just wanted to write some bangers and not out to prove anything anymore you know, this is a completely different headspace the The heavy metal scene is is so different, I think it's more receptive to classic thrash metal than ever, which has much to do with why I personally thought this was the time to come back
0: mm. when is the uh when when is the e p set to release? I don't know if we have that information yet,
2: yeah, so we're we're kind of like mm. trickling this release okay. um we're gonna, we're gonna really milk it yeah. <laughs> well you've <laughs> you've
0: been, you've been um, away no. for a while, so you have the ability to do so, I guess
2: yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, John.
1: Well, I was going to say we don't have a full length. You know, we, we're going to probably end up with six or seven songs. So, um, and what bands seem to be doing now is just releasing them over the course of a couple months with videos. So that's our intention. And when the entire thing comes out as a package, at least as a digital package, um, I don't know. What do you think, Dustin?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah, we're kind of like to kind of is like trickling it out doing a music video with each yeah. song that's that's the plan and uh yeah once it's all done it'll be you know one cohesive album um once we've released everything one at a time because um, you know we we've we've spent a lot of time uh working on these so we kind of like don't want to just like throw it all out and have people kind of gloss over it it's like right. we'll really give each song like you know it's time to to shine and push it and help people give it the attention that uh, you know we think it deserves um you know, and then at the end, uh, whether we press something physically or not is still sort of up in the air. So, uh, kind of see how the reception is over the next few months to all these songs, and you know, uh, change course from there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good plan. Like again, that's uh, probably the best way to do it in this day and age, with you know, streaming and everything like that, and just with everyone having that seven second vine mentality, attention span. Uh, you know, it's probably better that you you also. You know release stuff stagnantly uh that way it stays more in the front of someone's mindset or mind, but um yeah, I mean so let's uh let's get into um you know the the gap because uh, like the last thing that we posted about you guys on the website was in two thousand eight two thousand nine and like you know like we said, there wasn't necessarily like a big announcement about hey the the band's breaking up and you know all this that, the other stuff but What kind of led to the infinite hiatus that you guys kind of took?
1: I can tell you for me personally, I was kind of like unsure about where we fit into the heavy music scene at that time. I felt like the death core sound had really taken center stage Mm -hmm. and lots of of great stuff. Uh, I didn't know where we fit into that creatively and Uh, not having a niche and also maybe a little bit of burnout from doing that style of music for so long. I was really, really anxious to prove myself in other styles of music and maybe some of that angst that drove me in those first two albums didn't exist like it did. So I felt making heavy music, at least at that time in my life, felt contrived. And it was... I would rather do something honest than go up there and fake it because people can tell when you go on stage and you don't have the same aggression and you're not hungry like you were, it, it comes off very watered down. And frankly, I guess I didn't have anything to say on my guitar at that point. And, um, then with Dustin moving to LA, it was just the perfect time to explore other things. And like Dustin said, it was always clear. And I think that we were all on the same page with look, leave the motor idling, and when the time comes, because, I mean, they're, they're my brothers. I, I love playing with those guys. I, I'm so blessed that we had the experience of touring together and actually doing it with friends and not having to recruit people from, you know, that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, And we did at, at one point. So just to, you know, just to be clear, you know, there was some bit of that. But in the end, it was the core four guys. And uh, same boys that, that we got, you know, doing it this time.
0: Same lineup, the same core four.
2: And core, nice. It? Yeah, so yeah, it's like we've had a couple, you know, other dudes that have been in and out of the band for short periods or, or even longer periods of time. But um, yeah, this is kind of the yeah the core core four. We could call it that, I guess. I don't know. Nice. nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'd say the four the four horsemen, but that stands for another band. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: Teleca. Um, yeah. I'm you know when we were leading up to this I was thinking cuz I used to be in a really crappy band that toured and played here in town a lot too and I want to say one of those shows was with you guys but I'm not 100% sure so uh let me see if I can look that up um did what you guys a band
2: know? maybe I nap, maybe it'll
0: that nah, we don't we don't
2: need to say that out loud <laughs> but um no, yeah, no, I want to hear your band name. I know, I do too. I mean, now I'm, now I'm super curious. Oh, I remember it, like, yeah. I just, it was in Florida, then, right?
0: It was in Jacksonville. Yeah, so it would have been um, at the Imperial in Jacksonville.
2: That Ooh. sounds really familiar to me. That I think sounds, we, That does sound familiar. Yeah. We did go. To, were we playing with Into the Moat? Uh, yeah, we were definitely in Florida with Into oh, Here end it, of it is, the,
0: right here, November, November nineteenth, two thousand four, the Imperial.
2: Hey, which yeah. was it into the motors? Oh, that no. would, that would have been
0: I don't know, it doesn't say. This is setlist list FM, I'm looking up, so um, uh, but yeah, we uh, okay, the, oh. my band's name was She Dies in December, so yeah,
2: I think that sounds familiar. Oh, was, I still, I, I've done a really uh, thorough job of trying to save flyers from every mm. show I've ever played. Um, oh no, it might have been Cyopus. Okay, hold on. Yeah, we were we were touring at that time. Yeah,
0: so we definitely played that show because I remember Psyopus being. I remember opening for Psyopus too. So yeah, that was. uh, was Our album
2: came came out that year. Misanthropos came out November second of two thousand four, and we had our our album release show in Omaha with Psyopus, and that was like our tour kickoff show. And we were with them like that entire month, so the uh, the timeline definitely adds up. And I know we went to Florida too.
0: Oh yeah, no, I just looked it up on the database of Lamb Goat tour dates. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it was two thousand. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, two thousand four. You were here on the nineteenth of uh, November, and you guys. The, the name that. of that
1: venue is very, very familiar. And as That's we that. were with Cyopus then there was definitely some crazy zany shit that went on that night. That was symbolic. <laughs> For that entire tour. There were so many wild, bizarre, and amazing memories with that band. Yeah. Yeah. They were so much older than us. We were all teenagers and they were like 30 something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We were really, uh, we were really young. Quite an experience. Yeah. We were, we're pretty young there too. And we were the band covering the Britney Spears song. So if you, (laughs) if you remember that bullshit, (laughs) which which one? Toxic. Oh. We did that one before, before that heavy. I don't know if it's Demu Berger or some other like, black death metal band covered it, like, some European Scandinavian mm. band covered it, and then, like, a static lullaby covered it, but that happened, like, oh. b- I should probably clarify, because a lot of people were like, oh, cover songs, they weren't, like, that. they weren't popping off back in the early 2000s, it was like, yeah. it was like, throwback had Baby Got Back, and then that was, like, basically the catalyst for us. I that album that's
2: on. Oh, yeah, it's that's like, a, that's a, that's it's a like awesome. a hardcore does uh, rap or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was before, like, and again, we didn't have like a uh, pop or, you know, like punk goes pop or anything like that. We didn't have those albums that like those series of albums at the time. It was literally just like, I think the B side on that Throwdown CD or EP or, C- you know, whatever. Uh-oh. And we had an idea of like, well, we had we had a show we had to play like that week and we didn't have enough songs. So we were like, let's just cover a song. <laughs> and uh, you know that Britney Spears song at the time was like the biggest thing, so we were like, "Can we make this like the Throwdown song?" And we did. And then that was probably like a bad idea because that's all everyone fucking knew us about or knew from us. Yeah. But uh, you know, that's it is funny. It is.
1: I know you're not going to play it on the podcast, but send me a copy of that. I want to hear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to play it. On the
2: podcast. Well, uh, on on yeah. the subject of psyopis I can kind of tie that into our Venerate video. Okay. Uh, so. We With Syopus, we had kind of this history of uh, pranking each other constantly on the tour. You know, it would just be things like jumping up on stage with each other and throwing shit at the other members when they were on stage or something. But, like, really playfully, you know, never, like, malicious or anything. Like, didn't we get them with Silly String a bunch of times and just silly shit like that? <laughs> but, whenever they would upstage us, it was
1: always a little bit more aggressive, but definitely yeah. playful. So we would get them with silly string, and they'd get us back with like flour.
2: Like yeah, that's where I'm going with this. So, so like on the tour, we, on the tour we did with them, like we had the last laugh, and then, you know, like this was probably a year later, maybe more. Um, we were booked on this two day Milwaukee Metal Fest thing or something. I think it was no, it was called like Watch the World Explode Fest. It was in Madison or Milwaukee or something anyway um yeah you know we saw the two-day lineup they were on the day before we were on the next day and you know we were just like oh man it sucks that we're not going to see them or whatever uh you know so we set up we're playing our set and then all of a sudden in the middle of our set we start getting just bombed with like we don't <laughs> even really know what it is and and then out comes the psyopus dudes once from from all the cloud they had they they had tied up all these well first of all they skipped their show the next night they canceled their yeah show. they, they so canceled the show they missed a show so they could prank us and so in the middle of our set they had made these like uh they filled paper towels with glitter mm-hmm. and flour and tied them together with like ribbon or something and they'd spent like the entire day doing it planning to get us and just like pelted <laughs> us with them. So in our Venerate video where you could have all these like throwback, you know, clips of us from the early two thousands, there is one shot of I think it's me just like being like, What is going on? And kind of dodging it and there's just it looks like smoke everywhere. Uh, and uh, that was Cyopus. Yeah experience. it does. <laughs> well Lisa was Yeah me. I got
1: tilted in the face. Go ahead. It was like uh he had like a I don't dustin what you described i was never really clear on that all i know is i got hit on the side of the face and like i felt like i had been punched which is not abnormal you know when you played a show on the floor in those days but this (laughs) felt very intentional and very direct and then i realized that there was white shit everywhere yeah and then i'm my ears are like immediately ringing from it on top of the fact that i'm playing in a metal band on the floor like in a warehouse and i looked around and like dustin said it looked like smoke And it was just chaos because everybody was apparently in on it and we were completely aloof. So, and and luckily we got it all on videotape. Yeah. uh, It was a, it was a really, really fun, bizarre show from that point on. And I don't remember where we were in the set, but I feel like they got us pretty early. Mm. Yeah. There was a lot of fumbling around with like flour on my head stock for the rest of that
2: show. I also remember we were playing on a tile floor and it was so oh, it was slippery after that like you couldn't you couldn't just stand yeah. like your feet would just slide because it was caked in flour so mm. yeah, yeah so that's uh that's a little spot in our venerate video if you can find it little, <laughs> in easter, there.
0: Egg, little easter egg
2: little easter egg did you guys yeah.
0: continue playing while you're getting pelted with this stuff or you know yeah.
2: i mean that, that's, a, that, uh, that's back yeah. in the day in my memory, yeah, yeah. i think that i think that there is a video of it on on youtube like the full video is Cool. Yeah, that's so,
0: that's definitely like a, a nod to like back in the day, not caring because obviously like there wasn't a lot of like, uh, you know, if you were to do that now in today's climate, that you know, <laughs> people would freak out. Oh, you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs>
1: well, this was in the uh, this was in the era of the youth cruise, you know. so yeah. When I first got hit in the face, I think part of me was afraid that we were getting jumped, <laughs> but then when I immediately realized that this was a prank and not like a terrorist attack, I think that we smiled and laughed and continued the song. And then there was hugs and high fives, and then we finished the set. Yeah, I I hung out with him after that, and yeah, Chris Arp gave us the story about them canceling
0: a show, and I was like, "Wow, (laughs) that's dedication, man."
1: It made my heart warm knowing that it meant that much to to (laughs) them to one up us on the (laughs)
0: prank. Yeah, they forget they for they forwent like their entire evening and probably like pay or whatever, whatever that may be at the time. Oh, I mean.
2: Disappointed fans in another city. <laughs>
0: just to <laughs> so, fuck with you, yeah. And probably the
2: next day had a you know twice as long drive to get to yeah. the next station. But then that the, so yeah, I, I remember looking up from it and seeing like Adam and Chris like uh, from Syopas just like pointing and laughing at us, and I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> um, but then I do remember after that we went to this this okay now I'm remembering a little more it was in Madison Wisconsin and we went to this it used to be a church but people just lived in it now <laughs> okay, <yeah. laughs> so it was like, it, 11 was like a, it was like a college dorm basically yeah it was like college kids all living in in there and so it since it used to be a church it had this giant open living room so we all went there to uh, and and we played another show there after that at like you know one in the morning
1: <laughs> yeah
2: with with Syopus. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's, like, really yeah, good. We've got some uh, photos and videos from that, too, and it's, like, it was, like, just, like, a total party environment. Like, I think the drummer from Syopus played with a beer box on his head or something, you know, <laughs> silly like that. that is some de- <laughs> that's some
0: definitely, like, old school kind of vibes. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, a Lot of community. I mean especially oh, yeah. up in that area. We played so many amazing shows, and I know we played in that Church it was like where the you know the worship would have been you know this big like pit area right in the center And then we would have shows and just get trashed on beer and party all <laughs> night. And and
0: It was crazy how so that used to work back in the day a lot of like venues were churches of, of some kind You know like there weren't really a lot of venues that yeah. were dealing with like hardcore and metalcore and metal and all that stuff so like you know the kids were booking yeah. shows wherever they could and it, it just happened to be a lot of you know church or oh yeah menus. oh you're
1: talking churches when churches were still actually like places of
2: worship and yeah. Then we'd have a show yeah, yeah,
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: <laughs>
1: yeah yeah we definitely did that too that was a thing you're i think right. we did a
2: lot of american lot of. Legion halls oh yeah too. <laughs> yeah i was
1: just gonna say like knights of knights of columbus and BFWs. um american legion these yeah,
2: uh church BFWs.
1: church mess halls um pretty much any place that did not have a stage or a PA, and you were guaranteed yeah. to play on the floor, which was, which was amazing, and I missed that a lot. That was such an awesome experience. I mean, there's something about having stage lights and monitors and, like, a front-of-the-house sound guy and all that fun stuff, but there's much to be said about just throwing down on the floor.
0: Yeah. I think it's – I think that all. Uh, you know, honestly, I think the band's like that. I don't know if the fan's necessarily like that. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Well, it's like I would get excited vis- about seeing big bands – Good. Well, I was going to say, like, when when let me give you a common example of the two thousand four era when bands like Bleeding Through and Darkest Hour and Unearth. um, and this this is probably more like two thousand three. But when those bands were on the rise, they were still playing clubs for eighty to one hundred people, mm-hmm. and I could see them on the floor. They toured through the Midwest, and they almost always played on the floor somewhere. And those were such more memorable experiences.
0: Yeah. Oh, and it,
1: I felt like the bands had more fun with it,
0: too. It does feel, or it is more intimate, for sure. But, you know, just as far as, like, if you're in the back of the room, you're not seeing a lot. Yeah. And then you're not hearing a lot. Oh, yeah. You know what Especially I mean? Just your short
2: sucks <laughs> And that's about it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I saw, I literally went to a show last night that was on the floor. And uh, it's, like, a long, like, a long hall kind of venue. Uh, and, yeah, the people in the back are just back there, like, eh, you know uh, I'm hearing yeah. some stuff, but, you know, but it, it was a crazy like, and that, and that particular show was, like, a crazy show, pretty violent, uh, you know, like, the mosh pit was just, it's not, I mean, it might be, like, god, 12 to 15 feet wide, that's about it, and there was like, and half of that, or, you know, like, a good three feet of that is, like, a bar where that, like, the sound guy was on, and, like, I was standing on the videotape and stuff, and it was a very violent, nutty show, so, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, it might have been dangerous yeah, for definitely. the band too, because like they're in the they're in the mix, you know, they could get moshed on. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: true. We definitely did. I, I mean, I've been run over more than once. And uh, Dustin, do you remember that show somewhere in the Carolinas? We played this house, and there was just hundreds of kids there, and they put us in the smallest room, and everybody was just shoved in there. So we're we're packed in like sardines, and then the minute we started playing, it was the most crazy throwdown mosh pit and we all got hit in the head several times <laughs> and it was you remember this place it was hot as fuck that day it was super yeah,
2: I, super i don't super humid <laughs>
1: i mean probably I, probably I have
2: like big, <laughs> big memories of a lot of those places that all kind of blurred have blurred together for me at this point so yeah. like that one specifically yeah, yeah. I don't recall yeah, I'm not great at remembering a lot of places. Uh,
1: <laughs> Dustin's kind of a scrapbooker. He's got all of these pictures and flyers and you always remember people's names. I wish I could do you mean? maintain half of that information. That but is it's coming me. back. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I could forget your name like on the podcast and then be like, oh no. you know. So oh, it just, It's one of those things. I f-
2: forgot what I had for breakfast, man. I don't remember anything. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: I have like selective memory though. It's like there's lots of things from that era that I remember really specifically, but then, like, sometimes, like, I'll chat with my parents on the phone or whatever, and they'll be like, how was your weekend? And I'm like, uh... I don't... What'd I, I do? can't remember yeah. when the weekend was, uh, you know? And it's not because I was... all kidding. runs together. Yeah, I'm I'm not because <laughs> I'm, like, wasted or anything. It's just, like, I just can't remember what I did three days ago. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this time, speaking of that, like, remembering what day it is... What is... I got a noise going on in here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this time change is really fucking me up. Like I don't even know what day it is, and
2: uh, oh, been, my yeah, my sleep too. schedule
0: is so jacked. Like so jacked. I went to bed at like seven the other day, and I was up at like ten. You know, and I'm I'm on that weird schedule because I gotta keep the news moving on the website. <laughs>
2: so, You're on the 24 hour news cycle. Yeah, man. yeah.
0: So it's like that. So uh, I really can't wait till we get rid of all the uh, time change shit and we just adopt what like Iowa does or something like that, you know.
2: Oh yeah, it's like uh every year or Indiana, be...
0: Indiana, sorry.
2: No, it's uh Arizona.
0: I think there's multiple sit- states that do it, but
2: that don't change the time? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought it was only Arizona. You may be right, but I I thought you Indiana, be right,
0: Indiana did it too. I mean, there's 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 multiple ones, but we need to adopt it all together. Like I'm done Dude, with this. I
2: agree. I'm I'm so it's every I, year well, I feel like why we're not gonna
0: do it. Oh, <laughs> well, Hawaii too doesn't change. Well, yeah, they don't no no need to. They're way out there. Yeah. You were talking about youth crews earlier, John. Do you ever have like? did you ever have like run-ins with those boys? FSU DMS. I'm sorry. Or... Say it again. You were you brought up youth crews, uh, in one of the last statements. Oh, you said. oh. Did you guys ever have run-ins with any of those guys, like <sighs> the FSU guys or DMS? No,
1: or... We, did, we didn't. We didn't. As a band, it probably would have been better if we did because there was like a lot of bands getting beat up on stage at that time, and they were getting great press for it. <laughs> like one of them was this band called uh, From a Second Story Window. Yeah, <laughs> and they were uh, they were on the same label with us, as was Psyopus and we went out on the road with them right after. I think Dustin, if I recall, is right after the Psyopus tour, and they were all beat up. They had black eyes,
2: and they right. had they were scratched up and beat up you recall that? Yeah, I do. I I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it, yeah.
1: They played some venue, I believe it was in Illinois, and the singer... I guess the venue, the promoter was already in hot water because they were having all of these shows and the place was getting torn up, so they prefaced it with all of the bands that, hey, you know, we're under the magnifying glass, so we need to really play it safe tonight. And I guess when, from a second story window was on stage, he, the the vocalist ended up, you know, stage diving. And then he kicked out like a ceiling tile, obviously not even on purpose. That's just what you do. And the crew jumped the entire band right away and like jumped them for real. These guys were beat up Mm. and they got tons of write-ups over it. And people were giving them food and money and extra care as they should. (laughs) but uh we were like we were terrified like what are we gonna do these guys carry brass knuckles and their whole thing is about beating people up and that is just not us i mean we're like yeah we were just little metal little metal kids just there to have a good time i did not know what we were going to do to contend with that
0: yeah
2: yeah and i still have never been in a a real fight in my life i've been in like a little like couple scuffles in high school or whatever but nothing i would consider a fight and uh at this point, I'm 40 years old, so the odds of me getting in a fight are getting slimmer. 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know. I
0: feel the same way. The last like fight I was probably in was probably in elementary to middle school or something like that. But I've definitely gotten crowd killed very recently, so yeah. I, I'm <laughs> fully f- familiar with you know physical pain and getting you know attacked or not attacked, but you know.
2: Yeah. Getting. Uh, I mean, uh, for me, on top of being like a. A fairly peaceful guy. I'm just not a big person, so I just know that like I wouldn't really, I wouldn't win a fight, you know. (laughs) So so I'm gonna avoid it for me, you know. Yeah, a little hair pulling. (laughs) Yeah, I can always. (laughs) I'd have to resort to getting slapped because I don't have the, I don't have the, the size advantage, you know. A lot of open palm slap. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) slap, slap yeah
0: um so you know speak so of like, suffice to say we're not we're not tough guys no, I get it metal you know usually metal bands aren't necessarily tough guys, they just kind of look it from the exterior and then they like you know yeah, like,
1: usually you know, usually they're they're teddy bears, they're lovers. you
0: got you know, corpse grinder out here just looking like kind of the time. the most brutal front man, but goes and plays claw machines and likes big stuffed animals you know, and plays yeah. World of warcraft endlessly, <laughs> so you know.
1: He's all about the kids. Oh yeah, he, he donates all those animals to child shelters and stuff. And uh, he's a definitely a family a man, big
0: softy guy. That's but true he...
1: about uh, metal. Metal people are the best. Uh, there's there's no two ways about it. I feel like uh, some of the most loyal, honest, lovable people are from the metal community. And uh, part of the reason I want to come back to it.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that then. Because um, you're not the only ones. You know what I mean. <laughs> it seems like we're on this 20-year cycle of uh and i'm not complaining about it yeah you know it seems like we're on this 20-year cycle of all these like very paramount albums or paramount band you know like and again we've been in this little window for a while because you know 2000s early late 90s to now and stuff there's 20-year albums or 20-year reunions and 20-year album tours going on all the time but um Yeah, you know, I didn't ever think, you know, at the time that we played together or when I was in a band early 2000s, you know, my dad was always like, you know, this music isn't going to stay, you know, it's not going to be around for a long time like old rock and roll was because it's just, uh, you know, one thing or another and you know, yeah. part of me felt that way too, because I was like, there isn't really a big audience. And this was all pre-real, you know, pre-internet, like it is now. You know, we had <laughs> MySpace for that little window, and that was definitely beneficial for all of us, you know, because sure. the music side of MySpace was uh, insanely helpful. <clears throat> but um, I just lost my train of thought. But yeah, no, okay, yeah, longevity in the music scene. It's been yeah. crazy as it's gone on, though, how, like, oh, man you know bands like well unfortunately the every time i die is no longer around but like bands like every time i die and you know some of those bands that just kept staying the course they just kind of paved away a little bit and just kind of you know because when you guys bowed out around you know 2010 like you were saying deathcore was coming around and that was its first initial you know wave of popularity and then that kind of fell off but i also felt like metalcore fell off a little bit within that realm too because in metal and, and oh yeah yeah
2: totally did
0: because i think it got too popular oh yeah you know i think it got too popular within that time frame mtv started picking it up uh not like just the videos but they would like place their songs in like real world or other shows and stuff like that you would hear you know uh, all these other bands that normally wouldn't be on like road rules or real world or any of those programs but it wasn't the secret
1: society that you know a lot of kids signed up for initially to be a part of the quote-unquote underground, the scene, and all of that. Uh, maybe when it became more of an Ozfest culture, uh, by 2006 and 2007, you know, Warped Tour and the Monster Energy Drink Tour and yeah. Ozfest <laughs> specifically was like racked up with all of these metalcore bands. So I think the the, the new metal kids from the generation before started to pick up on that. And then it wasn't like our best kept secret anymore. And I don't want to say that really had anything to do with me losing my inspiration. It had just kind of, uh, I think that it accomplished what it set out to do and it was due for a reset mm-hmm. and you know, so many great death bands and I don't want to dog on it, but I just, I, I couldn't be a part of that. And, uh, it doesn't mean, you know, we couldn't continue doing what we were doing. I just didn't, Really feel inspired at that point, and I knew that it would come back, and I never stopped listening to metal. Yeah, metal guitar is the
2: best. I would also uh, say too is like we would get in that in that era too to kind of piggyback on what you're saying is like some of the types of shows or the venues or the festivals that we would play when when we would go back and play them. They were like all you know they were metal mostly metalcore bands <clears throat> and maybe hardcore bands, and then when they became mostly deathcore bands it's just like there wasn't a lot of interest in us anymore <laughs> either yeah. so that wasn't an yeah, yeah. inspiring thing to be like let's go back to the places that we always do well at and then like people are just kind of like oh this band's boring <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> know I mean that's that's an exaggeration obviously it's right, right. too much going uh, on
0: where's the where's the blast beats
2: yeah yeah and uh, I think that did I mean, kind of push us to be in a little bit more of an experimental direction because you know for me I was kind of like well like I just want to keep doing different things and pushing myself, uh, to both like creative limits and also like technical things too, is like, that was a, a big thing for us was just, uh, doing stuff that's going to make us different. You know, I just never want to be like a run of the mill type band or a run of the mill type person, you know? Yeah. So
1: very true. Very true. I mean, it was, um, just a different time. It's much to do with coming of age. You know, we're all turning, we're all in our late 20s,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I mean, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I'm still enough in touch of in touch with myself from when I was 27 to know that I needed to reinvent myself and um, wanted to prove that I could do other things on guitar, because to that point, I was only ever approached to do, like, technical heavy metal stuff, and I mean, I, I was so proud of what we had done in Pariah, but... And, didn't really know where to go
0: with it yeah yeah it was really kind of a bummer because you know again i think my when i crossed over from when i crossed over from new metal uh it was more <laughs> it, it was more of the metal Y'all core did, yeah. yeah i know Y'all. i know <laughs> it's cool to say now but it when wasn't you say crossed good. over you mean
1: that period of time where you didn't listen to new metal, but you're back to new metal
0: now, right? No, no, I am back to new. Because we all are. A hundred million percent. <laughs>
1: okay, good. We're not. We're talking twenty-year
0: cycles here. You know what I'm saying? And that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt.
0: No, but I've never stopped listening. I just want to be it.
1: transparent. No,
0: I never stopped listening to it either. I just hid it from the world. You know, I locked the door wait. and then locked the door and then put on some Limp biscuit or something like that. But um, no, I mean, when no I doubt. when I crossed okay. over into that you know the scene world uh, quote unquote scene, it was like. Hate Breeds Perseverance album and then like Glass Jaws, uh, Everything You Want to Know About Silence. Those two albums there basically oh. all opened up a different world for me and then I fell into the whole metalcore world, right? And then that, I got, I was really into metalcore. Like it, I wasn't super into hardcore. I liked hardcore, but it was more of like, it just seemed, and this is going to sound bad, but it seemed like too simple for me because it was just very easy chugga-chugga and sounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily, I didn't like, like punk music I grew up listening to a couple of punk music bands because I live near a beach in Florida and so there's like you know I don't know like weird punk kids all over here skating around and yeah. stuff but um, it wasn't it, I didn't really gravitate towards that it was more the metalcore side like you said Unearthed and all those kinds of bands that like bleeding through every time I die all this Poison the Well those were like that was my wheelhouse and so Hellfest he, 1 DVD oh yeah but when I got to take a quick
2: rest and bake. Go ahead. I'll be take right a back. Pee.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you keep going, when it kept going, you know, there was up oh, clean singing starts coming into the mix, you know? Like an over an overly yeah. used amount of clean singing starts coming in the mix. Oh, these albums are getting like really produced now. Like it's starting to start to get some major, not major label money, but labels that had a couple dollars to spend on this stuff, which we're spending it now and Yeah. And that, labels. Yeah, started that changing that evolution
1: I, they were they were going for numbers and by two thousand five and six, you know, Metalcore had turned into this heavy production and labels like Roadrunner were mm-hmm. picking up the bands like Kill Switch Engage. Yeah. And, you know, no diss on Kill Switch. I mean they're legendary, but they kind of to me they're they're the band that maybe the flagship for that era of Metalcore. Yeah. Where the production level was just so high and the Commercial, you know, the commerciality, if that's even a word, Marketability. Uh, of the sound proved itself. Marketability, yeah, and they proved that it was marketable. Oh, and yeah. They're an example of one of the bands that, you know, maintained uh, through all of the changes and the um, re emergence of new metal. And I feel like we're in that right now. I, oh, yeah. At least in some form, I think that new metal has made a pretty strong comeback. I think they're taking more cues from that first wave of new metal when the sound was fresh and complex and dynamic and i think we're referring to the same new metal bands that we probably grew up on because our journey was very much the same i burned through so many copies of that glass album <laughs> i thought they were so incredible
0: it's my all-time favorite uh, i still band. do it's still my all-time favorite band oh
1: that that is one of the most dynamic albums i've ever heard it's got everything, you know, it's beautiful. It's melancholy. It's heavy as hell. It's got hardcore songs on it mm-hmm. uh, They were at a level that I just strived to be that you know and Never you know never taking too many cues from their sound because we didn't have the parts and the players To do what they did musically, but oh, yeah. they were a huge inspiration And you know, I've gone out of my way to see that band many times.
0: I have flown Multiple states to see that band. I've done. I've done stupid things. I so I. I totally know where you're coming from. It's a cult, and I'm. That's, a, I'm, that's amazing. I'm fully part of the cult. You know what I mean? I got. I got. Oh yeah. Memorabilia. Yeah. That's so stupid. But.
1: I mean, talk about waiting patiently. I mean, there's there's bands that made us wait, but uh, they would tease new music for like ten years at a time. Oh yeah. Or at least it felt it felt that way. You know they had that EP that came out after worship and tribute and then I want to say it was a good six to eight
0: years before we got it the right other the EP came out yeah it's just like fuck <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> yeah. Is that
1: what the, was that the one with the the John Lennon song that first song that had the
0: no the that's ride symbol that, that
1: went on for like our, our two color, minutes.
0: yeah our color green was the one you're referring to that came after uh, worship and tribute like I don't know five six years after that but coloring book was the more yeah. uh, coloring book had Yes. Five or six songs And the back the front, the front half Were one style And the second half Was a more Melodic Yes uh, Lower Lower toned Kind of sound But uh, And then you know Material control Came out in what in 2017 18 or something like that So Yeah apparently recently Definitely love that Yeah and if
1: I'm being honest I think I slept on that one A little bit But uh, those first two albums Were you know Groundbreaking for me So uh Kudos and respect to Glassjaw.
0: Yeah, 100. Um, percent But yeah, yeah. You mentioned the new metal uh, resurgence in like our, our wheel, like our you know industry not industry, but our little genre here, our genres. Um, yeah. I talk about that all the time because I think what is going on is like, <clears throat> you know, we were kids when that, we were kids when all that stuff was coming around, like Corn, Raging us Machine, Limp Bizkit, all those you know pioneer mm-hmm. new metal bands. Our parents weren't listening to that, so that was us finding it. Um, some of us, you know, had kids really early on, and a lot of that attributes to why bands are coming back around now and why you start seeing 40 year old or, you know, 35 to 40 year old people that you haven't seen in 20 years come to shows again. <laughs> so, you know, their kids are older and yeah, yeah. they're yeah. out of the house and they don't have that responsibility or as much of a responsibility anymore. But those kids, too, that grew up in that household, listen to new metal because the you know obviously like if your dad and mom are riding around and they're pumping like corn and you're five years old it's seeping in one way or the other and that's like the led zeppelin for you or i don't want to compare corn is not the same as led zeppelin but you know i was riding around my dad's listening to led zeppelin or some shit you know yeah
1: well for the new for the new metal movement i think corn is led zeppelin for new metal
0: Right, I just didn't like want to, they're not on the same level. For, for like, saying you know, that. They're not on the same level. Yeah, yeah, again, I mean, but,
1: what they meant for the movement at the time and in, in, in its place. Yeah, I mean, they're uh, one of the the originators, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, John. Yeah, to pick up what you're saying, like, as far as uh, becoming parents, you know, we're all too happy to share this stuff with our kids because it made up so much of our own, I don't want to say childhood. I mean, this music came into my life when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But um, If my kids show the slightest amount of interest For any of it I'm all too happy to show them videos And let them know that I was a part of it in some way You mm-hmm. know And I took a ton of pride in it And I felt like I was there early enough I mean that's a whole other conversation Of like when's the first wave of metalcore and all that I guess for me maybe that was in the late 90s When uh, Until Your Heart Stops You know by Kaven And yeah. all those amazing Converge albums came out but, I didn't. Uh, I didn't catch yeah, close on. Enough.
0: I didn't catch on on that wave. It, it was much later. Like, and that's one of the things. Like, I wasn't around for the '80s hardcore movement either. So, like, that's why I wasn't into hardcore. Yeah. But sitting mm-hmm. where I am now, I'm infatuated with it. Like, I've gone the spectrum of like you know ba- uh, genres in this little realm. So now I'm like full on into like weird black metal, post metal shit, but also hardcore. And I still love metalcore, but not like current day metalcore is you know hit or miss but a lot of the metal core I do love has a lot of new metal influence too so there's that but you know for sure. uh, I just don't think and I might catch some shit for this but I just don't think nothing will top that like golden era of metalcore even though there are bands that like you were saying the first wave of metalcore is you know I listen to Dead Guy now and I'm like fuck dude or Botch and these are bands yeah. that I didn't really listen to when I was early, early, you know, younger in the scene and even though I had a website <clears throat> way back in the day uh, before I started uh, working with Lamb Goat. And um, I had a website, and so I would get all these CDs sent to me physically. They, they would send physical CDs back in the day, and not just digital advances. So like I got Botch and Hate and cave like an Antenna album and stuff like that. But at the time I was so like, still in that nu metal crossover phase, that that was like, I don't, that's not my vibe. But as, <laughs> I've got, as I got older, as I got older, it became more my vibe because then I could trace back the lineage of like the sounds of like why Norma Jean sounds so different, and then like, <coughs> you know you go back and listen to Botch a couple years later, and you're like, yeah. oh fuck, that's why they exactly. sound like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Botch was one of the well, bands that like pushed me out of metalcore, or excuse me, out of new metal. Was like uh, when I yeah. heard Botch, it was kind of like. Whoa! Like Botch and Unearth were, and Zeo were probably my, my three that really pushed me out of new metal and into, you know, the more metalcore type stuff.
0: Mm, yeah, I agree. I mean, um, not I agree, but yeah. I, I can see that. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't listen to any of that stuff until late two thousands, probably. But and even oh, okay. then, it wasn't even, you know, I I was listening to like what I consider golden era, you know, like around that bleeding through. I was going to say taking Back Sunday, I don't know why I said that, but Bleeding Through, Every Time I Die, all those like OC bands, and then, you know, there was just so much going on on Trustkill and Ferret, like, I was just, that was yeah. like my wheelhouse, right? So I was just stuck in there.
1: Trustkill and Victory were just huge at that time. Oh, yeah. yeah. Relapse Records, Hydra Head, Metal Blade, mm-hmm. those, you know, those labels were just killing it. And they probably still are, if I'm being honest, I'm a little bit out of touch.
0: No, there's I mean Hydrahead's not necessarily really around anymore. It. There there's a couple you've mentioned that aren't around because they were just so small like offshoots, but I mean relapse obviously yeah. still around. Victory is still around. Uh you know.
2: And some of the labels I think have got p- like sold or picked up by like didn't they get uh, acquired by a major or something, I think?
0: It's happened. Truskill got acquired, Ferret got acquired. I mean they've all yeah but i just i mean i recently talked uh, i've talked to josh from trustkill off and on for the last couple of years just about any and everything but um i th- he recently got uh all that catalog back or something like that so i don't Not know really. if he's i don't know if he's owner or anything like that but i think it was warner music or something like that they have an agreement to where he's basically that's why you see all the uh trustkill stuff going on like spotify and re-releasing vinyl and stuff like that oh yeah yeah. So, kudos. for Yeah, that. they
1: had those iconic uh, "Poison the Well" albums and um, everything from "Bleeding Through," as I recall.
0: Yeah, "Poison the Well" has got a 20-year anniversary this year too.
2: Oh, for, for uh, right. "Opposite of December." No, that would oh, no, one After that, uh, that red, nope. red and yellow. Uh, no, nope.
0: you come before. Oh, tear from the red. You come for tear- you come before you. Oh. The one after tear from the red. red. Oh wow. Oh. Probably like their quote unquote breakout album, you know, where they actually yeah. like they had like a little couple ballads yeah. on there or the one ballad.
1: Man, I don't think I knew what to do with that album the first time I heard it because they got picked up by a major mm-hmm. label and I think they they produced that album in Sweden mm-hmm. and they switched to like, you know, class AB amplifiers and vintage instruments and they had like slide guitar. Yeah. And the drum sound was super organic with, you know, more room mic. And everything about the mix was just so different. And I, I think that I just still wanted the nostalgia of First Wave, Poison the Well. I have since gone back and listened to those records and thought, wow, these were great. Yeah. You know, I don't, I just wasn't, I wasn't ready
2: for them at the time. No, was, I feel that. I, feel I still that. wanted them to be what they were. I feel that. Yeah, I haven't revisited those in ages. Like, uh, I, I was really into Opposite of December and Tear from the Red when those... You sound just
0: like, like every other dude on the message board, man. Like, you, <laughs> don't, you don't want to yeah. go past those two albums, <laughs> but I, you know, I'll, I'll say this. But you do, and
1: I, I like—I'll be the first to endorse that. Those other albums are are great. There's some really amazing dynamic oh, yeah. stuff in there. Just uh, you have to—you have to leave the other stuff in the rearview mirror. Like there's no—we were talking about Cavan. If you love until your heart stops, then you know. Before you put in Antenna or Jupiter, just know that you're not getting the same band. Right. They're the same guys, but they had a different vision.
0: You know, if I probably heard until the heart stops first, because Antenna was my first uh, listen. Right, like I got the CD in the mail from I think it was was it Jade Tree or Hydra or some some I don't know who that album. was
2: Hydra band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: When I got it, I was like listening to it, and of course, you know, being like the I don't know how old I was, seventeen, eighteen year old kid running this stupid website you know, I wanted to give it a fair shot, but I was like, I'm not feeling it. But if, who knows, maybe if it was a little heavier and, you know, more of like what I would originally, or what I would later on get into with, you know, until the heart, until your heart stops and metalcore in general, it mm-hmm. might, it might've just clicked yep. earlier and I might be a different person, but here we are. <laughs> here we are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, your perspective starts where it starts. So, uh, but but you, also um uh, huge acknowledgement to bands that can cover that kind of ground and then have. That amazing amount of range and yeah. musicality—you know, such maturity, such amazing musicians—and
0: to touch—and um, so, to um, piggyback off of that, bands like um, the Deftones obviously are are big for that. Yeah. But oh. those ba- the Deftones obviously inspired two of my favorite bands, which is Glassjaw and Poison the Well. So, like, when you when you look at those for sure. under that microscope of like, as the Deftones influenced those. Bands. the deftones never made the same album right and so like you can tell now that those yeah. two bands also followed that you know that that uh mold or that that style <laughs> yeah. of how to do stuff yeah. so yeah, I, yeah. I stress to you both go listen to you come before you versions and the tropic rot from poison the well if you liked if you liked them and those two albums or those first two full lengths You're gonna go back and be like mind-blown. I think versions is my favorite poison the well album And it's the most different than the five. What's
1: that first track that first badass track on versions?
0: Um, Uh, Letter thing Yeah Yeah,
1: Yeah, that song rips yeah, Uh, they made a video for that I remember seeing that video and I didn't even recognize the band anymore (laughs) at that point. I mean it was like 2008 I was like, who the fuck is this awesome band? And then I, 30 seconds later, I realized what I was seeing, but (laughs) prime example, you know, it was like rediscovering them for the first time all over again. It's a really great album.
0: Yeah, yeah. Honorable
1: Um, mention the version.
0: That, uh, they were one of the highlights of last year's, uh, Furnace Fest, just because, you know, they don't, they, they definitely don't play that often anymore. You know, they're one of those bands where they all live in different areas of the country and they all got a bunch of other stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it's crazy just to see them, you know, and I, lucky enough, I was like on stage while they're playing and it's just like all this nostalgia shit that's going on in the last 20 years in my head and, you know, I'm just like, oh, what the fuck, dude, this is yeah, so awesome. Yeah.
1: Maybe out of all the new songs, that people just want to hear Nerdy. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, you know, like, I've grown, <laughs> I've grown
0: to like, I don't like, I don't hate the song, but it's like, I could go with, mm. I could go without seeing it at a show, you know, I, I don't know. But. Oh,
1: Totally. Yep, it's an encore song. I, I think Pariah played with them at Robot that mm. Yeah, um, we did.
2: Where was that? With Wisconsin. That's in and this was you know in their I think that was in Milwaukee. Yeah, that was a Milwaukee yeah. thing. Um yep. Yeah, this and would have been in two thousand eight or nine. Yeah, Russian Circles and Poison the Well were the two headliners. Mm. Um yeah. yeah, and that's when we were uh pushing uh I think our our second full length of Barnacle Cordius had just came out at, at that point in time. So we were like touring on that. Yeah.
0: Did those albums just come on Spotify? Yeah. Did you guys just get those on Spotify recently?
2: No. So they've been on Spotify for a while, but I, I switched our digital distributor uh, over. So it, it had some sort of like weird flip flop of like, hey, they've got a new album, but
0: well cuz I saw it cuz I was, you know, when I yeah. do my research and stuff like that, I noticed that like the upload date for some of those albums were like recent. So I was like, "Oh, maybe yeah. cuz again, like, you know, Josh has been uploading the Trustkill bands to Spotify and labels I think like Hydrahead is one of those <laughs> labels that kind of went offline on Spotify for a little while until someone else uploaded yeah. it and picked it up, but I was just curious."
1: Yeah, and and honestly, we weren't very good about promoting our band during those hibernating years, and I think we just let Social media sleep for like literal years on end, and this is when Spotify and Gram and all of the social media as we know it today was coming of age. So I mean, we're literally trying to pump it up now, which is you know it's never too late. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were asleep at the wheel, you know, during those hibernation years. Yeah, that's why we're just we're anxious to get content out there and to be active and to you know let people know we are doing it. And we're doing it because we want to, you know, we're doing it on our own and and then releasing it independently. Yeah. And it's a different animal.
0: And I think it's a good, you know, good way to prolong the exposure as much as you can. Right. So.
2: Yeah, no doubt. So, um, yeah, I'll even say some, during some of these, these kind of dormant years for Pariah, you know, John and I both obviously went on and played in several other bands. And I think that that experience of playing with other people and kind of doing different types of songwriting has really contributed a lot to when we came back to working together on, on Pariah stuff too, you yeah. know?
0: I was gonna ask what you, you know, cause there's such a big gap between Pariah and then and today, I was gonna ask what's been going on for you guys, whether it's musically or personally, cause obviously like you moved to LA and now mm. you know, John. You live in the other side of the country, um, in Connecticut. So you know, I'm yeah. just curious as to what been what's been going on in the past you know, <laughs> over decade. Well, John,
2: John and I did have another uh, collaboration over COVID, so I'll take this time to plug that. Let's go. I, I, uh, so <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with uh, the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yep. Okay. So I, I okay. So uh, to give you like kind of the the backstory, like I saw a very short clip of that when I was like six years old when it was on TV. Uh, I saw the scene where the the shadow puppet comes, turns into a T-Rex and eats the crowd of people, and I was just like absolutely terrified. And I had no idea what that movie was like for years and years and years. I like would sometimes bring it up to people and people are just like, what are you talking about? And then when I was in high school, I worked at Hollywood Video and uh, which, for people that don't know, that was like blockbuster. <laughs>
0: you had to go and but rent hey, the movie, physically rent the movie. Yeah,
2: you have to go to a place. And <laughs> so I, was I was probably seventeen, eighteen years old, describing that movie to somebody, and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's Killer Clowns from Outer Space." And I was like, "I I have to see it. I have to see if it's as terrifying as I remember." So, um, it wasn't, You know, I it? no, I special yeah. ordered it. It was goofy.
0: It was so scary. goofy. It was so goofy. Yeah. You're like, why was I scared?
2: Exactly, and and then I was like, "Oh man, this theme song's super cool!" So then I had to go and special order the soundtrack from like Sam Goody or Suncoast or whatever, because you couldn't just find it.
0: Again, you'd have to go to the store and buy physical copies of CDs at a at a music exactly. store.
2: and then wait like four. This minutes. is probably before. So this is probably before Napster. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent before Napster. So anyway, I like had i loved that theme song that the dickies did so for years i was just like one of these days i'm gonna cover that song and during the pandemic i was like well now i've got the time so you know and i've got like kind of the right friends to do it so in a very disjointed effort um i kind of put together that whole thing recorded with a drummer out here uh sent the tracks to john john recorded guitar in in Omaha obviously did the bass here and then this uh the singer is out here too we kind of just put together this like one-off thing um the the band name is the man from alphabet and uh recorded that song the killer clowns from outer space and uh and then I wrote like a kind of a storyline for a music video that you know totally incorporates the clowns and all this stuff and uh was able to lock down a location and we shot like a pretty cool music video for it. That's um, out on YouTube. I think at this point it's somewhere around 550,000 views on it. So oh, wow. people are like, people are liking it. Oh,
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Congratulations on that.
2: Thanks. So that's the long way of, of me <laughs> plugging that. <laughs> I like telling that backstory. That you... I think it's like kind of interesting. It's like, oh, this was something I wanted to do for like you know decades and covid finally project yeah. finally gave me a uh, time to do that project so. something
0: was born from trauma as a child and then <laughs> when other trauma started happening you were like fuck it now let's bring that trauma to light
2: yeah, yeah that's a good way to put it yeah but yeah but it was a uh, it was super fun and uh you know super it was it was great to get to work with john again after you know such a long uh period of time of not doing anything together and getting together with my my buddies, you know? Was that kind of, like,
0: was that kind of the catalyst to start writing the newer, uh, the new Pariah stuff? Or were you already doing that and then then did the uh, Killer Clown stuff? I think this
1: was simultaneous, Dustin, don't you think? Uh, I don't exactly
2: remember. I feel like you came to me with the Pariah stuff pretty shortly after that, but I Really can't remember. Yeah, that's that's entirely
1: possible. Like I said, it, it's all a blur. It, this is all this was COVID era, you know, when we started <laughs> these projects.
0: All the days ran together. What was
1: cool about the Killer Clowns? The that was recorded and really produced. Uh, I guess I was in Nebraska at the time, but Dustin put together the band, and it was amazing. Everybody was super pro, and they just sent me tracks. I recorded it and. Omaha, uh, with an engineer named Jim Homan, who I pretty much entrust with tracking everything that I do whenever possible. Uh, and then it was sent to Pete Riccio out of uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, where's uh, a dumb. guy that, he's Yeah. A, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, we kind of came up with him because there's these great-sounding Havoc records.
0: Mm.
1: I think uh, it's their their original release or their. I think time is up. I think that's the name of the release, but I love the way that album sounds. So I looked up who did it. I found this guy, Pete. He was super cool and totally available, and he was originally on deck to mix the prior record. Um, we ended up doing that in-house just because we had such a great experience with Jim. But to cross back over, he uh, mixed and mastered that Killer Clown song. I mean, it
2: sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll have to look that yeah.
2: up. I remember... Uh, I remember John was like, "Oh yeah, and he plays in some video game band too." And I was like, "Well, I love video game cover bands." And when he told me it was like a metal video game thing, I was like, "Dude, is it Vomitron?" And it is. He is Vomitron. Like nice. he does all of it. Nice. If, you if you haven't heard that, it is like it is pretty awesome. If you're into like that nerdy video game cover stuff, and then it's like metal versions mm-hmm. of it. You know? And uh, it's
0: funny you bring. It's funny you bring up like that video game nintendo core sound cuz like lately <laughs> lately uh i've admittedly just been like tapping back into horse the band i, I hadn't really like paid Wait, much yeah. attention to that band in like maybe like a decade plus but like and again i wasn't super big i shouldn't say i wasn't a super big fan i was a super big fan of R. Borlax, but I, after that i kind of like started just to kind of like die off of like paying attention to them but i respected them so much cuz they did that like weird Three four month like world tour back in the day, and they all did it like DIY booked themselves, and like obviously like, <laughs> lost a lot of money and stuff. But like I was like, damn, that is so fucking cool they did that. And uh, yeah, you, know, yeah, that's it. I was just I'm getting <laughs> back I'm getting back into them. You <laughs> know, <what laughs> you?
2: check them out. I, I, rem- hey boys, I- I'll be right back. I'm gonna go take a pee break real quick. Okay. Okay. Go for cool. It. Um, I actually remember that. I don't remember the the band that well. Like, I never got really into them, but um, I do remember uh, I do remember them like have, being like one of the only metalcore bands that had synthesizers in them. Besides, like you know, Bleeding Through kind of had it yeah. more as the as more of a texture and horse uh, the band. It was more like an upfront like lead instrument,
0: eight, eight bit type sound instead of like yeah. you know like calm like backing <laughs> like just like yes, yes. Or, organ, or organ sound it was more like just fucked 8-bit noises all the time and yeah. it, it didn't it helped that napoleon dynamite came out around that same timeline and uh eric uh the keyboardist was like identical looking to like almost john heather, <laughs> so like they could have been like doppelgangers back in the day you know and then they were i mean those guys were so cool too we got uh i you know around that same year we played with you, I think before that we had gone on like a small tour with them. And I don't want to say tour, like I just annoyed Eric enough via email for him to be like, yeah, if you can, if you can contact the venues and the promoters and you guys can get on the tour or on those shows and yeah, you're more than welcome." Oh, cool. gotcha. <laughs> and so I just hounded everybody. And so they had seven Florida dates on that and this big tour and we got on five of them. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> but they were so cool. They're like, you know, and, they were just really nice dudes and uh funny guys and yeah, I was watching their I like went back and downloaded or not downloaded, I found on YouTube they have this uh the Earth Tour the Earth Tour DVD, which is like their <laughs> Welcome back. Their uh their <laughs> documentation <laughs> of that giant world tour. So I was watching that and it was just bringing back oh, a bunch wow. of memories, yeah.
2: I bet that's cool to see something that from that era <laughs> so heavily documented.
0: Oh it's to, like, It's seven hours long or some wild shit like that. It's like six DVDs, yeah. You can look it up on YouTube. It's available.
2: Oh, I have to look that up. I do remember us... uh, John, we're talking about Horse the Band. Uh, I do remember us playing with them one time. And, and, you know, this was also in an era where you couldn't just go and look up to hear what a band sounds like. So (laughs) I just remember it being a thing where it was like it was kind of like you'd see their shirts around at shows and people were talking about them all the time like there was a lot of hype around them and i remember playing some you know one of those all day long festival things i have no idea where it was but i just remember that we were playing on a the stage that all the bands had to play on was so awkwardly tall it was like (laughs) oh we're like if you're in the front row you have to just crank your neck all the way up to see the bands it was something like you know like 15 20 feet high i was like what why why did they do this so dumb <laughs> i mean i might be exaggerating on the height but i just remember it being so awkwardly bizarre how tall the stage was at that point but uh yeah that's my that's my memory of horse today. that's another one i'll have to go back and revisit because uh yeah yeah i'd like to i'd like to check it out i do that sometimes go down these old rabbit holes of just like i wonder what what i would think of this band
0: now if that i listened to it a lot of a lot of bands bands that i didn't well again just kind of piss well we came from a different time you know what i'm saying so like the young kids today don't really understand it you weren't allowed to like a lot of stuff back in the day you know
1: (laughs) there's a lot of very very
0: true there's a lot of gatekeeping going on and uh which for better or for worse i don't necessarily know if i hated it then or hated it the lack of it now. I don't necessarily know what I prefer, but you know, when you were in the hardcore scene, that's why I like. I listen to new metal in private and not with anybody yeah. else because it's like.
1: Oh, I mean, shit! I
0: don't think you could admit to liking Foo Fighters. Oh yeah, or no. Anything
1: that came from like the, alternative rock era or emo. I mean, I remember a time, or totally. I mean, we grew up in Omaha, and there was this huge. Um, Midwest uh, quote unquote emo movement going on with Saddle Creek Records Mm -hmm. and it was a huge thing and there was just a crazy amount of separation now I feel kind of stupid for missing out on all of that because I think it was kind of historic and uh, I mean it definitely was and the music was actually great I just completely slept on it because I think in some way I felt like I wasn't allowed to enjoy it.
0: Exactly. I've, I've felt, I I felt always felt pressured like that. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years after that, you start seeing kids in the pit with Slipknot shirts and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. That was. I think that was the first band that was
1: the catalyst, at least where we came from, was suddenly it became okay to like Slipknot. Yeah. Very, very suddenly. And then it was like, well, why not Machine Head? Why not Pantera? And then it just Kind of worked itself out naturally, I suppose. Yeah, but uh, yeah gatekeeping is that's how
0: I would describe it, it was. Are you yeah, kidding? I mean
1: these days you're 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 allowed to like anything and for better or worse You know
0: do you think that yeah, it, yeah. What, for the better. what do you think it is for the better or for the worse? Honestly, do you do because um, like as a musician? I, I'm sorry. I go back and forth on the gatekeeping thing because <laughs> clearly it served a purpose uh, You know back in the day and you know, um there it is what it is but now sometimes it's like a free-for-all on any and everything and like
1: I think that people are disingenuous about it sometimes I think they're trying to be ironic <laughs> and they're they're claiming And maybe I'm just being a pessimistic asshole but <laughs> um I think I think the gatekeeping thing during my era or our era was you know one-dimensional and you were supposed to like pick a side
0: mm-hmm.
1: and now um I wonder if you know people's playlists are more more or less to impress you with you know, how eclectic their lesson
0: is, yeah, or maybe maybe yeah. I'm just jealous because mine's not that eclectic. I don't know. Mine is <laughs> mine is not uh, uh, mine's eclectic, but not in a cool way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my I mean mine's not either. I I would never share my Spotify playlist in public.
0: I would get litch. Oh, i I've definitely <laughs> I definitely do that. There's a lot of rap, a lot Every of rap in my playlist too, which is you know. It is what it is, but oh,
1: I mean, there's there's no wrong answer. It's your personal playlist. I mean, you need music to work, music to work out, music to relax. It doesn't matter, you know. Whatever speaks to you. Yeah. yeah. So as a as a musician and as a player, you know, me discovering different types of guitar playing has been amazing. It's reinvigorated me in more ways than I can count. I have utmost appreciation for country music guitar. I've been at times obsessed with it over the last couple of years. Am I an advocate for country music? I don't know. Uh, I definitely feel way differently about it than I did 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that people should be allowed to feel open to liking different kinds of music, whether or not it's cool. And uh, where those barriers are now, I don't know because I'm not in touch with the teenage generation. I just remember how it was when I was that age, and uh, it was very much pick a side or get run over.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's kind of how it was too. And I'd like to touch base on what we were talking about earlier. I have since also gone back and listened to a lot of bands that I was like, uh, "That band is lame. I'm not going to even fuck with that." You know, like. <laughs> yeah. So I've gone back and listened to a lot of stuff, and I'm like, "Damn," you know, like, "Fuck, this band's not even around anymore." Yeah, you know, stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. win, win some, I, lose some, I guess.
2: I I think I know I, I was kind of like in kind of in a similar boat with. What you were saying was we like all where were, you,
0: dude. It was listen it was to, the era. It was the era. Yeah,
2: you didn't do like it didn't actively say that you were listening to a lot of certain bands that were outside of like what was acceptable. Um, but you know, um, I think after I moved out to LA, and I was just like, I just want to play bass. I don't. I'll, I'll play whatever. I started like actually for the first time having like more of an appreciation for like pop music and other yeah. other genres that I had kind of snubbed in the past, just because I was like, I just want to play and like I'll kind of do whatever. And once you start like learning and dissecting a lot of those songs, you, you start to like find things you like about them. You know? Yeah.
0: Not to not to always harp. I on. think
1: you quickly realize. You're not married to the genre, you're married to your instrument. And if you just yeah. want to play the thing, you'll do
0: it. You'll do yeah. it. And, um, and to piggyback off the bass, like wanting to play bass in different styles, like, and not to harp on Glassjaw a million times, but that's just what I do. Yeah. Uh, no, let's our, go. Our Color Green, like the bass on Our Color Green, the bass on Coloring Book and going forward for stuff like that, I was like, it stu- stood out so much to me that I started paying more attention to bass in general. And then I was oh, like... Wow. Then I was like, oh yeah, bass is funky as shit, like all the time. But again, like when you grow up in the hardcore <laughs> metal world, not a lot of funky bass lines going on, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's yeah, basically yeah, yeah. just a backer for for maybe some bass drums or some low end guitar stuff. So, you know, it yeah, Glassjaw opened me up to like a bunch of like jam band stuff in in a way, you know, like I'd started listening oh, to like Dave Matthews and stuff like that, which I'm probably gonna get flamed for that, but
2: Yeah, you will. Yeah. <laughs> It's not 2000, yeah, it's not you know, they, they have that, uh,
1: <laughs> that rhythm section, man. Absolutely. That relationship between the, the drummer and the bass player. Pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, no doubt. No, yeah, uh, to
2: to something that you were saying earlier, John, about kind of like missing out on eras too, is like um, with Omaha and the Saddle Creek thing, like one band I really snoozed on, regrettably, is The Faint. Like, now they're like oh yeah i I listen to them so much over the last 10 years you know since i no longer live in omaha uh and every time they come out here i go and see them play and i'm just like man this this band is you know like past their peak in popularity but their live shows are still so great the songs, like, age oh, really well. Like, that band is is so underrated and underappreciated, you know. Um, and I and I totally regret not going and seeing them in Omaha more often. I saw them once in Omaha, and uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that was better than I thought. But, you <laughs> yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I did. They, and, were, they weren't even part of the, the rock genre, you
1: know, so they were in a different stratosphere. Weren't right they, right? like, what you mean, like
0: a dance, like a... Nah, I don't want to say like a goth night yeah. dance band like a synthesizer kind of
1: yeah yeah, yeah. totally I hadn't heard that yeah yeah forever definitely you would say Britpop synthpop yes uh, goth I mean none of those none of those um adjectives are wrong they are very one of a kind and um uh, extremely skilled and uh I mean anybody from Omaha takes a lot of pride knowing that uh they're from their hometown because people usually guess that that band is from somewhere in Europe. That's how they sound.
2: Well, and on top of that, they are, like, very DIY, so, like, it makes me respect the band even more, knowing, like, oh, yeah, they program their own light shows, they do all their own art, all their own video stuff. Uh, You know, now that they're not on Saddle Creek, I think they're just a completely independent band and still, you know, able to play big festivals Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, and it's like, those guys are, are through DIY. And for a while, they owned a building in Omaha that had their recording studio because they record all their own albums themselves, engineer them themselves, and uh, and had their rehearsal space in there. And, um, enamel. I, yeah, enamel. I, I recorded there with uh, my post-rock band, The Answer Team. And so I got to see the place at that point in time. And yeah, man, I'm just, uh, I am so sincerely impressed with like, Everything around that band, I really am, yeah. and uh, I regretfully, like I said, snoozed on them in kind of their uh, their peak.
0: Yeah, touching base with what you kind of said, like the gimmicky thing. That's where I kind of, I that's where I think gatekeeping should be at. Like, <laughs> no gimmicks, bro. Oh yeah, like the DIY, no gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Like You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll, I'll go on and on, and I'll catch shit for this probably too. But like, a COVID band that popped up out of nowhere was like the Linda Lindas. You know, have you heard of that uh, band?
2: Uh uh-uh.
0: They're like, yeah. no. they're like the young Asian girls. They're like teenager angri- a- Asian girls. They came out. <laughs> the, they came out with this song called "Racist Sexist Boy," which is very topical, you know, at the time. And they're all like, yeah. at, at the time, they're a California band. They might, it might be in LA. So you, you might be able to check them out, Dustin. But uh, they were like, yeah, kind of like. It sounds t- LA AF, the like you're describing. They were, uh, <laughs> they were, they recorded this video in like. A library or something like that, and it was the sexist, racist boy video or some shit. And like, I'm watching it, going like, "Eh, it's the music's not blowing me away." Clearly, obviously, but like, I'm like, "You're like 16 years old. Why? What's, who is, what's going on here?" You know what I mean? Like, what's, <laughs> what's the back, what's the backstory here? And then you know, you find out that like, oh, it's the daughter of like some people at Epitaph or something like that, and oh, the other, right. oh yeah, you yeah. know. But that's the kind of stuff where like. Kudo, I mean, good for them for having the ability and the the uh, the chance to do that. But for me, that's why I think a little gatekeeping should come in and be like, "Hey, guys, just so everyone's aware, this is really really what's going on." You know? <laughs> this is how they yeah. got their
1: opportunity. Let's yeah. do this. There yep. were no dues paid here. This <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm not trying to single out the Linda Lindas. There's a fuckload of those bands out there, even in our even in our world. Oh, so
1: since since forever, no doubt. Yeah get that pro
2: bono opportunity um, yeah, yeah. I, what are you gonna do you know and, and but uh, even when you get those opportunities that it's like you still have to have music that's gonna be either good or catchy or marketable or something there's still gotta be something to it even if you uh, get those opportunities like
0: yeah but some of those opportunities yeah, may well, be yeah. some of those you know, opportunities may be hey we have this song written for
2: you already yeah that's very well, how yeah. yeah. Labels. That's,
1: that's very, very, very fair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna say. I mean, the early visibility is is kind of the the gimme, but you have to maintain the
2: attention. So yeah, the product has to be at least good enough to do that. You can look at somebody like uh, a a prime example would be Billy Ray Cyrus's kids. Obviously, Miley Cyrus is hugely successful, uh, and her brother was in a band. Metro too that, Station. Yeah, metro station. They just kind of. I mean, as far as I know, if I'm totally wrong, please correct me. But I I think they just kind of like quick spark flash in the pan, and I think they're. You know, they've been gone for. You're not wrong.
0: They might be. They might like come back and do that emo festival or something. You know what I mean? Like they might. They might play shows or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, You know. I don't know. Yeah, they had that one song Shake It. I remember cuz when we weren't allowed to listen to all that stuff, the girls we were yeah. dating or the girls that we were around were listening to that stuff. That's exactly <laughs> so, how I know them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. We it was in our it was in our wheelhouse. We just were like, "Nope, can't like that. Don't listen to that. Take Me Back Sunday is not cool. Can't listen to Take it Back Sunday." But, you know, then you get older and it's like, yeah. "I
2: love Take it." No not. Sunday. Yeah. I think Miley Cyrus <laughs> new video thing came out on Friday, so she she probably did that just to thwart Pariah's uh, release event rate because yeah. they came out on the same day. She heard so,
0: about it. She was like, "Fuck it these dudes."
2: In, sure, it was intentional on her. Perfect. Yeah. John and I saw her we hiking in Los Angeles. Uh, one of the first times you visited out here, right? When we were in Malibu. No, I was gonna run. I was gonna run that by you because I'm 99% sure that was her. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was definitely her. That was definitely her. Was she, okay, her. but she yeah. was.
1: She had. Two... And before that, we ran into. Good. Two bodyguards. She had two bodyguards and a big dog. I want to say it was like a pit bull, something.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. She was more clothed than you used to see like... her, though. So that's why it was hard for you to. She had more clothing <laughs> on <Yeah>. than you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just remember she was like taller than I expected her to be. She was super fit, and she had these like huge bodyguards running on each side of her. I I would assume they were bodyguards. This was kind of like in her peak era. And I think we just kind of like nodded and said hi. And she acknowledged us and gave us like a quick smile and I'm out of here. And then from then on, From that point on, it's kind of like a dude passing the nod test. And I call the nod test is if you meet a guy who is of some level of fame or whatever, and you give him a nod or a handshake or the most basic of acknowledgments and they reciprocate it, then they're pretty much okay by me from that point on. So I remember I was like, okay, well the nod test for Miley Cyrus is, we're just gonna say hi or smile or whatever. And if she acknowledges, she's cool. If she doesn't, she's stuffed up and fuck her. Well, she definitely acknowledged us. So so from that point on, I like instantly became an advocate for her. Yeah. Like, and like I said, I'm 99.9 percent sure that was her.
0: I mean, she's she's fairly talented. Obviously, she comes from a musical, uh, you know, household and stuff like that. Oh yeah, like Billy Ray and and everything. And you know, honestly, when she was on, uh, she she appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast too, and she had a very interesting episode. Uh, and you know, it, again, that's why I like to humanize the the artist with the audience because I find that when I find out things from people that I only see on you know screen or in a in a live atmosphere or read about I don't necessarily you know you have this preset idea of who that person is but then you find out like oh they're kind of like me or they have the same interests as me or like oh they're just yeah. weird they're a weird person and, <laughs> you know so like yeah I got into it because she she did some like big self-help like thing where she like started like really getting into like how the mind works and of course like I was like, "That's interesting," and then I started, like, I fucking started reading the book she had mentioned on the podcast or whatever. And, oh wow! Yeah, so it's it's cool. Like, I I like yeah. You know, whereas, like, I am somewhat pro gatekeeping. <laughs> there's all there's barriers to be broken every now and then, you know. Sure.
2: She had, it, oh. she had some whole like nonprofit type thing. I I don't remember what it was exactly about, but I remember the 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 logo for it was just kind of the this yellow smiley face thing. <laughs> And it was, it was something to do, if I recall correctly, something to do with like advocating for women's rights and uh, something to do with like, you know, uh, approaching things like depression and mental illness, yeah. uh, confronting them, I should say, not approaching them uh, in a healthy way and stuff like that. But I, you know, my, again, my memory can be a little foggy sometimes. No, you're, you're, so. you're
0: pretty much on there because <laughs> she was. She, she dealt with a lot of, like, obviously drug abuse stuff and just, like, child uh, fame because she was she was famous from, like, almost the jump, you know, so.
2: Yeah, was, since was... she was a kid. Yeah. I got my niece, uh, my niece who's 23 now when she was a little kid, uh, she was really into the Hannah Montana stuff. Yeah. So at, at one point in time, oh, yeah. I bought her, like, a Hannah Montana guitar and was like, you know, because I was like, hey, maybe this will be an opportunity to get her into, like, you know wanting to play guitar and rock music but it wasn't but nope, didn't uh pan out. anyway i digress yeah i <laughs> she was so anyway to just yeah your point she's been a big star she's been famous her whole life you know since she was a kid
0: yeah yeah
2: and that doesn't bode well for a lot of people um
0: mentally yeah know, it doesn't you
2: know, yeah mentally that's i mean like you know conan o'brien kind of says like you know that to a certain extent like child fame should almost be like an illegal thing cuz it's almost the equivalent of giving kids drugs and just the, uh, mm. the environment that they're in is so crazy mm-hmm. you
0: know it also could be somewhat abusive to
1: it yeah the yeah the pressure and the isolation and i don't want to say they all turn out like michael jackson but that story just never seems to end well
0: well there's not a <laughs> like lot of the, there's not a lot of child they, stars that have gone off to be like complete perfect humans that are liked by everybody you know so it's I think, like even you know. even Shia, yeah. you know Shia Lebo- or lebouf or or whatever, he's had his up and ups and downs. And from the exterior for a while, oh, he, yeah. he looked like he kept it together for a while. But then, you know, no, Then hate, I felt no like he just
1: him. started airing it out.
0: Yeah, no hate to him. I I, yeah. I I love Shia as a as a human person. You know, like I don't watch all his movies, but he seems like a pretty decent guy. But there's some stories out there that aren't necessarily decent about him. So, yeah. well boys we've gone like an hour and a half which is pretty long for the pod so (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah yeah. i've got i've got news to post unfortunately for the rest of the day so but i greatly appreciate you boys uh you know hopping on and i uh i do like that all these bands from two decades ago are storming back so i hope to see you guys do a couple more things obviously like shows tours stuff like that um you know and I'm interested to see Lots what more to come. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with the rest of the EP and how that sounds.
2: Thank you so much. And thanks again for, you know, supporting Pariah over all these years, man. So I have
0: to admit it wasn't me. Yeah, that- <laughs> it wasn't me. Uh I, you know, I don't know if you guys know or anything like that, but I joined Lambgoat in about 2018-2019 just to do the podcast. Oh, okay. And then Alex, wow. uh I had a conversation with Alex about a year and a half ago. And acquired it from him. So uh, now it's me. But, you know, I was a longtime visitor for the website because, like, you know, I would steal news from here and the PRP because I was a new metal kid. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I would just post about bands that I liked. And then Babe. that's how I got into it. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a very big affinity for Lamb Goat, obviously, clearly. And uh, that's why I do what I do. But, hey, if you guys want to stick around for three seconds after we end this, that'd be great. Sure. All right. Cool. Yeah well we'll end it here then boys I thank you very much if you haven't checked out venerate uh, you can do so it's on Spotify anywhere like that I'm sure you have a band camp correct where you can purchase it that's correct yep do yeah. that uh, what's the socials new video on uh, YouTube you new video what are the socials too because you guys you know are new to the social media game
2: yeah uh, Instagram where we are pariah the band um, and Facebook I think is pariah it's just Pariah, but I think the thing is Pariah Music, like the uh, URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can basically find all our links on pariamusic.com.
0: Cool, and they'll be in the description of this podcast as well, so check it out. But yeah, thanks a lot, guys, and Great. best of luck for the remaining, uh, you know, remaining singles on the EP, and hopefully we'll see you soon in person. Great, thanks so much for having us. Always. Cheers, thank you so much.